talked a lot about, you know, studying the word, but um, most importantly, we've said is that the heart's got to be in the right place. There can be some great stuff from the Word of God that, that's available to be sown into your heart, but if your heart's not ready for it, it's not going to bear any fruit in your life. It's not going to bring any, anything different in your life. You might feel better because you were here this morning, but that'll be so short-lived. You'll leave this place and kind of go back to your regular life. Uh, I've heard that so many times where people come in like, I just like it here. I just feel better when I'm here. Uh, it's because we're creating an atmosphere that we believe you can live in. Uh, every day living in this part of just worshiping God, communing with Him, Holy Spirit, um, speaking to you, and doing life um, with Jesus uh, through, his, through His Spirit. And we want to encourage that in you this morning. So um, I hope you're ready. We're going to share a little bit uh, this morning. We're going to do communion together at the, um, at the end. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Last week we just did a little recap on uh, Ephesians 1, verse uh, all the way to Ephesians 2, verse 10. Uh, and in that uh, we had spent few, uh, a couple of months looking at the first chapter and we, we realized that uh, God's just talking about identity, you know, knowing who you are. And then over Christmas, uh, we took a break from it. But then we realized that it's really, really important that we, uh, that we study the word in a certain way. It doesn't really matter what the word says unless we believe what it says. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to um, 13, it starts off by saying this, Therefore remember that you... You uh, once were Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. And at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm just going to look at three verses this morning. Not a huge amount uh, uh, of scripture, but a huge amount of content is in that. Uh, and, but before we get that, uh, to that place, I just want to commend you like Paul would have said to um, the disciples at that time. Uh, he's the, the author of this book to the Ephesian church, but he wrote to a lot of different people in the New Testament. Uh, he wrote to a young guy named Timothy. Timothy was, uh, was a student of the word, a young, a young pastor of a church. And he said to him in, in uh, the, the second letter to Timothy in uh, chapter 2, he just says, hey, Timothy, study study, work, be diligent. That word means all of those things. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that we need to tell our teenagers, you know, hey, get a job, work hard, uh, be diligent, prove yourself that, that you're an approved worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. But he says, this is what I want you to study to, to, or to not be ashamed of, is that you rightly divide the word of truth. That when you're looking at the word of God, that you're looking at it rightly. That when you're sharing it, you're sharing it rightly, which would tell me that you can share it wrongly. Uh, this morning, um, I want to encourage you to be, just to become students of the word. Say, yeah, God, I want to know what your, uh, what your word is saying to me this morning. There was a group in, um, uh, from a town called Berea in Acts. They, they were um, noted for being uh, noble people because they, they didn't even take what Paul said at face value, but they went and studied the word themselves. They, they said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to check the word of God. I'm going to check the Old Testament to find out, is what this guy Paul's saying true? Does that actually matter? And I would encourage you to do the same thing. As we're going through Ephesians, to say, you know what? I'm going to go home and just check Ephesians. I'm going to read it like five times just to make sure Mark's not pulling a fast one on me. I would love if you did that. I would encourage you to do that because you have no idea. Uh, the reason I say this is what you believe um, that matters. It really doesn't matter what I believe for you. It really doesn't matter what your church teaches. Uh, it doesn't really matter what your pastor thinks, what your, what your parents, your, your, um, your friends, whatever they believe for you doesn't really matter. You're like, what? 
I thought, I thought you know, it's, it matters the church that I go to. It matters, I mean, the teaching that you're going to sit under, but that's not really going to bring fruit into your life as much as uh, the fact that it's what you believe that matters. Because you can sit here and I believe lots of stuff for you that you don't believe and it's not going to bear any fruit in your life. My heart and, uh, and, and mission is that the word of God would be like it says, living, powerful, active, sharper than a two-edged sword, cut into the heart and bearing fruit in your life that makes a difference in, in you. Um, it doesn't... Um, um, Wes used to share this story back uh, in Sweet's Corner. Some of you may remember it. Uh, he used to talk about, you know, the, the thought of what you believe um, matters. For instance, if you, you see a guy standing on a train tracks and there's a train coming and all of his friends are like, get off the train tracks, man. You're going to be like splatted. And he's like, no, man, I believe that train's a marshmallow train. This is going to be like a great, you know, uh, bouncy uh, experience. going to be awesome. And everybody's like, listen, trains aren't made of marshmallows anywhere. Like, that thing's going to kill you. No, no, I believe it's made of marshmallows. So they watch the train hit the guy, and sure enough, splat. Why? Because it wasn't made of marshmallows. But what he believed mattered. Life and death. You know, it mattered because uh, uh, what he believed wasn't actually true. Uh, if you've been following the news this week, um, you'd see that it happens. It, it, sometimes it's um, smaller things. Sometimes it's like you believe something about, you know, marriage. You believe that, like, there's, you've got to find the right one, like all the movies and TV say. And, you know, if when you find the right one, your life's going to be so much better. That's a myth. You know, and the Bible doesn't teach anything about that. But if you believe that, you'll keep looking for the right one, and you'll find the right one, and you'll marry the right one, and then it'll become the wrong one. You're like, what happened? The Bible doesn't teach to find uh, love that way. So if you're, if you're thinking about that, stop taking your cues from movies and, and find it in the Word of God about how to, uh, how to find a, um, the, the person that you're going to spend life with and how to become the right person. You know, and you say, well, that might have happened to you. Maybe you're in that place and, you know, you're married to this person. You're like, oh, that's what I did. Now look what I'm stuck with. You're still alive. You're still alive. You have, you have chances to make that relationship amazing. So that one's not life or death, but some of them are. Uh, this week, if you're following the news, in uh, Kentucky, there was a, a, a pastor. Uh, the last name is, is Coots. He's from, a, he's from a church that believes that you're um, supposed to handle snakes, rattlesnakes, uh, while you're preaching. Uh, and he says, you know, yeah, I know, crazy. Uh, it was on National Geographic. He had a show um, called Snake Salvation. And um, so he would, he would be preaching with a rattlesnake wrapped around his hand because the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, uh, these signs will follow those who believe, right? They will take up serpents. They will drink uh, uh, deadly uh, poisons and it won't hurt them. Uh, they are going to speak in tongues. They're going to cast out devils. So he said these signs will follow those who believe. And so these guys, you know, they said to the National Geographic, we believe that's a command from Jesus for us to do. Just the same as thou shalt not commit a adultery. It says, thou shalt take up snakes uh, and uh, they shall not harm you. Um, the problem is that that's not what the Bible really says. If you rightly d divide and look at what the word says, it, it is not a command at all, but rather this idea of protection. There's things that are going to follow you as you're a believer of Jesus Christ. It's not saying, it's interesting that the ones who believe in snake handling don't also believe in drinking poison, um, which is also in that verse. But anyways, they, uh, this guy this week got bit and he, and he died. Um, and, and his church is just rocked and shocked because what happened? How is it possible that he died? It's supposed to, he's supposed to be, you know, uh, immune to that because he's a believer. He, rightly divide the word of truth matters. It matters what you believe because you can believe right and you can believe wrong and both of those are going to affect your life in a big way. This morning what we're talking about, it matters what you believe. Um, it, the story, you see the, you see the truth of this um, thought uh, with, with the snakes, you see in, in, um, uh, later on in the book of Acts, uh, Paul was shipwrecked on an island. And uh, as they were gathering wood, um, the, everybody thought, oh man, they got shipwrecked, you know, Paul's going to die. But he survives. And they're like, oh man, oh, 
This, they thought he was a criminal, but now they think, oh, maybe he's not a criminal. But then he gets bit by a snake while he's collecting wood. And they're like, oh, he must have been a criminal. God's going to kill him. And he just shakes the snake off into the fire. And he, the, the people of the island watch him. And they're like, oh, maybe he's not a criminal. He didn't die. He must be a god. And Paul's like, I'm not a god, but I know one. You know, I know the real one. And he begins to teach them and talk to them. And, and that island comes to Jesus Christ as a result. That's the kind of thought where, you know, where Mark 16 is talking about. These signs are going to follow you. But what you believe, it matters. Because you can actually have belief systems in your heart that keep you from receiving from God. They keep you from receiving things in life. Do you realize that, you know, you can't um, receive love if you don't believe it exists? If you don't believe love is true, you're not going to receive it. You see this so often with um, teenagers and, and kids where parents will say, you know what, uh, I love you. Don't you know that I love you? But if they don't believe it, they can't receive it. For some of you, you believe that God's angry at you. You can't receive the love of Jesus Christ because your belief is that he's angry at you. It, it can hinder you. Compliments. You ever have those girls, you know, like your wife or whatever, you, you know, first thing in the morning, you tell her, hey, babe, you look great. And she's like, liar. Uh, you know, <laughs> And then you'll tell her later on, you know, when, when uh, she's like, oh, doll, hey, you know, you look, man, you look amazing. You look fantastic. Oh, no, I don't. You know, it's uh, whatever. Uh, and it's like this idea of if they don't believe it about themselves, you can compliment them and tell them what you see and they just won't believe it. Bruno Mars wrote a song about it, you know. Um, it, the whole idea of, um, how's that song go? You guys know when I compliment her, she won't believe me. No, so sad she don't see what I see. All right. How many of us wish, though, that our kids, you know, could see what we see in them? I told you before, my son Lincoln, he falls off the cliff in Mario. And he's like, I'm dumb at Mario. I'm dumb at everything. I'm so dumb. And I'm like, son, you're not dumb. You know this? You might be dumb at Mario, but you're not dumb at everything. You, this speaking life into his life, you know, he doesn't, you know, sometimes he doesn't see it. It takes a while. But some of those things, if they get, if they get in, uh, rooted in and it becomes a belief system, how many times we see people walking around and you know they're not who they believe they are? People in relationships who don't believe that they can, you know, that people are out of their league or people that they don't believe that they are deserving of love and watch all their relationships just keep hitting a brick wall. Never happening for them. Why? Because what they believe. It's limiting them. It matters what you believe. We're not talking about believing in your head. We're talking about what you believe in your heart. Do you realize that miracles and healing, you can stop that in your life just by not believing? You can. Jesus said it many times to people. He said, hey, listen, you know what? Um, uh, two blind men came to his house and said, Jesus, heal, heal us. He's like, do you believe I can? Uh, in other places, he said he went to places and, and he said, I couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Doesn't mean it's all the time. Doesn't mean that that's always the situation is that, oh, somebody must not have believed. But it's a possibility. So it matters what we believe. It matters what are we missing out on from God simply because we just don't believe. And not talking about belief in the head, but belief in the heart. You know, a lot of people believe, I believe up here that Jesus can do that stuff. But down here, I don't believe that he'll do it for me. I don't believe he'll do it for me. I believe, Mark, what you say is true, but I don't believe that he'll do it for me. Confident belief, faith, confident belief is that he's going to do it for you. But you don't get that just by hearing it from someone else. You get that by hearing and sowing the word into your life. Romans 10, 17 says, faith, confident belief, that, that stuff you need on the inside to get those, to be able to receive those things in your life. Jesus already did it. It's not like he's got to do anything. It's up to us to receive those things. That comes from the word of God and not just me saying it, but you sowing that into your heart and, and holding on to that. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. Do we have that here? It says this, when it comes to things that matter like salvation, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what? 
believe. I know there's a bunch of introverts here today who hate when I do that and make you say stuff out loud. Because you're like, I don't want to say nothing. Uh, but I, I just want to know you're with me. Can you just do that for one, one thought? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what? Where? In your in your heart, if you believe in your heart uh, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It matters what you believe here. There's so many people that believe all this stuff up here. You sit, you sit in church, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, I believe that, you know, he died for my salvation. Yeah, I believe that that story's true, but you don't believe it here. Let me tell you something. There'll be atheists who can come across your path who could talk you out of it if it's just up here. They got all kinds of arguments so they can say, eh, you know, maybe this isn't true, maybe this isn't true, maybe this isn't true. You're like, yeah, maybe that's not true. If you believe it here, but there's nothing that changes when you have a confident belief of, nah, you know, you cannot talk me out of this because I know it here. I'm confident in the hope that I have in Christ. I'm confident in that belief that's right here that I know. And this is what Paul was saying to this church. He's praying the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And that's my prayer for you today is that you, that you might see what he says about you. Not what just kind of we think he says, but what does he say? So let's just look through that for, um, for a couple quick minutes here. He starts off by saying, therefore, which is in conclusion. Uh, not the end of this message, just the end of this thought. He says, in conclusion, um, uh, everything I've said from the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, all verse 1 to uh, verse 10, this whole idea of you once were sinners, you once were dead in sin, but now you're alive and it's by grace that you've been saved. It's my master plan that I'm going to save you from that. Uh, he says, this is it. And then he says this, remember, 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 don't forget that you used to be Gentiles. Don't forget that you used to be on the, on the outside. Remember, last week we talked about you know, walking through your Christian life, looking backwards all the time, looking back at your past, focusing on your past, focusing on the stuff you still need to change, focusing on the things that, that are behind you. And I had, I had some comments and some feedback on that. And, and I wanted to clarify this morning because people were saying, what? I can't forget where I came from. If I forget where I came from, then I might go back to that. And Jesus wasn't saying, hey, forget where you came from. He's saying, don't focus on it. Forgetting and focusing are two completely different things. He's saying, yeah, remember where you came from, but there's a danger in focusing on that and allowing yourself to be looking in the rearview mirror while you're driving down the road. He said, you know, you check your rearview mirror, but you keep your focus on what's in front of you. Um, what you get, why, is it, why does it matter? Because what you focus on, you give power to. If you focus on your addiction, if you focus on, you know, your past, if you focus on all your screw-ups, hang-ups, mess-ups, whatever, goof-ups, all of that stuff, you focus on that, you're going to give power to that in your life. You focus on fear in your life, you're going to keep being, your, your fear is only going to grow. You focus on anxiety, it's only going to grow. You focus on whatever ailment or illness you have, it's only going to get worse, feel worse. It's the, the thoughts of there, he's like, oh, Mark, that's just positive thinking mentality. Yep, you're right. And it came from the Bible. The guys who, who came up with this idea of think positively got that from the Word of God because he says it all the way through. How do you lay aside the weights and sin that's so easy to ensnare you? By looking at Jesus. Keep looking at him. Stop looking there. Stop looking at this stuff. Just lay it aside. Look to him. He's taking care of it. This idea of you can have the mind of Christ. Set your mind on things above. Whatever things are lovely, pure, holy, of good rapport. Think on these things. It's Bible. It's Bible. He says this. In Christ, you're free. You're not an addict. You know, and, and these statements are true. But just because they're true doesn't mean that they're true for you. This is what I want to clarify from last week. I want to clarify the thought 
that um, just because something's true in the Word doesn't automatically mean it's true for you. It's true for you if you have a revelation of it, if you're fully convinced of it. And this is why it's so important. Because if the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 that you are free because Christ set you free, then you are free. If he says, you know what, yeah, um, there's, there's so many times people believe things that the Bible doesn't say about them. Some people would sit here today and go, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But they still feel like I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. When Jesus said in the word through Paul many times, he says, you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. (laughs) What do you believe though? Because saints sitting here today realize, man, I'm good. I got no guilt. I got no shame. It's undone because I'm a saint. I'm his kid. Why? Not because I'm so great, because he did it. Revelation of that changes the way you worship. Some of you here this morning, you're so under guilt, condemnation, you can't even dare lift your hands to God. You're just, you're just scared to be here. Why? Because of what you believe. But it's not true. You know, for some of you, you know, there's this thought that you believe you're defeated. You know, I can't beat this temptation. I can't beat this addiction. I can't beat it. I just can't. But what does the Bible say? It says you're more than a conqueror. <laughs> you already are more than a conqueror. So other thoughts are this. You know, I, I, I'm, I believe that I'm an addict, and I always will be. The Bible says you're not. It says you're free. You're free in Jesus Christ. You are no longer that person. You're a new creation in Christ. But if what you believe matters. What you believe matters. You know, back in the day, there was a show called Reading Rainbow. Anybody remember that? LeVar Burton. Reading Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, At the end of every show, he would say this one line. He's saying, listen, you know, this is all this, this, and this, but you don't have to take my word for it. I'm saying the same thing to you. Don't take my word for it, Kingsway. Don't just believe that what I'm saying is true up and believe it up here and like, okay, that's good with it. Do some of the stuff and say, I'm going to get it down here. John chapter um, 8 verse 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you have to know it. You can't live on borrowed revelation. This is such a key thing. It's why I want to I take a little bit of time to teach on this this morning. You cannot live on someone else's revelation of who Jesus is or what it is. Paul didn't pray for the Ephesian church that they would, that they would see what he knew to be true. Or that they would see what he saw. He's like, I'm praying that you would see for yourselves, that you would have a revelation yourselves, that your eyes would be open, that you would see it. Uh, and if you have a revelation uh, um, from God's word, it's going to change the way you live. But if you don't, don't just like, ah, Mark said I'm free, so, you know, I'm free. I'm going to go to the bar and I'll have a drink because he said I'm not an alcoholic anymore. <laughs> now wisdom. You know, oh, yeah, I'm free. You know, I don't, it doesn't really matter. You know, Mark said that that's the case, so, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, I smoke a joint, you know, or uh, whatever, whatever. If they still do that, they still call it that, I don't know. Um, people laughing at me, I was like, all right. But you know, it's, it's this idea of it has to be revelation for you. It has to be this thing that you live out, out from it, uh, inside of you. There's a story in uh, Acts chapter 19 about these seven sons of a guy named Sceva. Kind of an unfortunate name, but he had seven sons, and they don't give them, they don't name them. But these seven guys, they would go from town to town, and they would try and cast out demons because they saw that Paul could do it. Paul was casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And yeah, demons are real, and yeah, they mess with people, uh, and, but they're under the authority of Jesus Christ. So Paul would just say, listen, in the name of Jesus, come out of those people, and they would. Uh, so these seven sons of Sceva decided they're going to go try that, and this was right around the Ephesian church, uh, that they would try this stuff. So they go from town to town, they said this, it says in the Bible, they said, in the, they said to a demon, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of that person. And uh, they said, the demons also decided they'll talk back, and they're like, hey, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And so it says they jumped out of the man, jumped on those seven guys, beat them to a pulp, took all their clothes off, and they ran out of town. And it says the story of the seven streaking sons of Sceva went around the whole area of um, Ephesus. 
Like, whoa, man, there was great fear on the church. Like, wait a second, there's incredible power at work here. Let's not mess with it. Guess what? Why could Paul cast out the demons and why could the seven sons of Sceva not? Revelation. Paul knew it here. The identity and the understanding was here. So I can teach and teach and teach and it's not going to do anything for you unless you're saying, I'm going to sow this into my heart till it becomes here. Same for me. Same for me. I realize that it works because I've seen it in areas of my life. I've seen freedom from fear. I've seen freedom from addiction in my life. I've seen um, uh, salvation, where I'm that confident hope of salvation in my life. So I know that these things are true. But there's areas where I say, I'm not arrived yet. I keep pushing on. You know, I want to see healing, where it says lay hands on the sick and they recover. The Bible says it, I know it here to be true. I'll know that I've sown it long enough here, the first time I lay hands on somebody and they're healed that the fruit happened in my life. Paul um, and Peter, we talked about this when Peter was walking to the temple and saw the, saw the man sitting beside him. He's like, he said, look at me. I, he says, knowing what he had inside. It wasn't the money he had, but he knew inside what he had. If you don't know what you have inside, don't go and just try stuff. When Holy Spirit just prompts you on the inside, you'll know what you have, but it takes some work. Guess what? All the guys on the Olympic hockey team today, none of them are there on borrowed talent. That gold medal was won because Sid, the kid, you know, was putting in his time, putting in his effort, studying the game, doing whatever it took to become great to win a gold medal. Guess what? Same thing in the kingdom. Same thing. It's what you study and what you show. Guess what? All that stuff's going to come to light. The time you're spending at a home alone, just studying the word, it's going to come to light in your life. Why? Because what, what you put into your heart is what comes out. It's how your life gets lived. So, so important. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that because I believe that if people, if every one of us got to the place where we believed uh, what Jesus says about us through this book of Ephesians, that he says, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. You will just live differently. You will live differently. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's finish. Oh boy, five minutes. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. Two, uh, two verses. It says this. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. They were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. <laughs> In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promise that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And then it's, uh, we're going to stop right there for a minute. But it says this. Don't forget. He's telling you, you know, remember a point in time. Don't focus on it, but don't forget. Don't, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what it was like to be in that place. Don't forget that if there's a new creation in Christ, there was an old one. If there's a new life that you're living, there was a former life you lived before. Don't forget about that because it's your story. It's the part you, where you can tell and tell the greatness of God. But it's this idea that, the, that, that you're not in that place anymore. Not in Christ you're not. Like, oh, I still feel like it. But as you believe uh, about where you are in Christ, you'll see all that stuff just realizing, wow, that's in my rearview mirror. It says this, remember when? He says five things. He says, remember when you used to be outsiders? Look at the words he uses. You used to be an outsider to the Jews. This, next week, we're going to talk about it. This wasn't just name calling here. It's not like the thing that they called people back then was you uncircumcised heathen. You know, and that was like the biggest diss ever. Uh, it was more of this idea that, you know, the, the Jews thought, we're all it, you know. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was like, yeah, well, now they are too. And then the Gentiles join the church and like, yeah, sweet, we're the new kid on the block and pushing the old guys out. And he says, listen, this is supposed to be one big happy family and that's not what was happening. But he says this, just remember, you used to be on the outside. You used to not be a part of this, uh, of this family, but don't diss the Jews because they're the reason why you have a chance. Jesus came through them. Then he says this, you were living apart from Christ. You were alive outside, but you're dead inside. 
He says, you were living that way. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, which meant that they were shut out from the rights of all the things that the Israelite people had with God. But he says, that was a were. And he says, you did not know the covenant promises that God made to them. Basically, this is saying you were not written into the will. I was talking with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they were saying, yeah, you know, my, 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 um, my dad wrote us back into the will. I was like, oh, he's like, that's pretty good. You know, we were written out for a while. He's going to give his money somewhere else, but he wrote us back into the will. In Christ, the will has been rewritten. For all of us who are not Jewish, it's good news because we were written into the will. And this is what Paul is saying to them. They, but the, the, the Gentiles, they had no idea there even was a will. They didn't even realize that there was something out there that they were uh, going to receive. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that your eyes would be open, that you'd see the inheritance. He says this, um, there's a story, um, there's a homeless man. Uh, he was supposed uh, that he was living on the streets of Santa Cruz de de la Sierra in Bolivia. Uh, he, uh, he fled from the police uh, uh, once he heard that they were looking for him. And uh, they were actually looking for him to bring him news of a $6 million inheritance that he had received. His name was, um, yeah, Thomas Martinez. He was 67 uh, at the time. Um, but apparently he thought the police were coming for him because he also had issues with alcohol and drug abuse. And so they were, uh, he thought that's why they were coming to look for him. So he disappeared. Uh, and he's so good at disappearing, uh, they couldn't find him. So then they started writing about him in the newspapers that there's this, um, there's this millionaire who um, unfortunately doesn't realize he's a millionaire. He's the newest millionaire in town, but he doesn't even know it. Everyone else does except for him. Uh, he got the money from his ex-wife who had passed away, uh, and she had received the inheritance as well. So he'd have had no idea that this was ever coming, uh, ever coming to him. She obviously didn't blame him for leaving uh, her because she left all the money to him. But uh, at the time that this was written, the unlucky man had still not been found. Somewhere out there, somewhere out there. If you're listening to this, Thomas, go collect your money. Um, But didn't even realize. Didn't even realize. Do you know what? I see the same story. Thomas Martinez sitting all over the place where there's people who have no idea the inheritance, the greatness of life in Jesus Christ, the greatness of of who who you are in him says this, you lived in this world, you lived past tense in this world without God, without knowing him, living an ungodly life. And it says this, you lived in this world without hope. It's one of the saddest thoughts in this whole sentence. You lived without hope. No expectation of eternal salvation. Uh, no expectation of, uh, of that, the fact that life can change or become better. Uh, I read um, online this week, a Dutch blogger wrote this. He said, my life's empty. I have nothing to look forward to. I'm tired of pretending to be someone that I'm not. Is this life worth continuing? I thought, you know what, that, that is such a common thought for so many. You know, they look good on the outside, but inside they're empty. They're without hope in this world. Paul's saying, listen, remember what that felt like? I remember what that felt like. I remember being, you know, a teen and not knowing, you know, whether it was, uh, whether growing up or getting old was worth it. Whether there was any purpose for my life, whether there was any point of continuing on. I remember what that felt like. You don't think about it every day. But why is Paul saying this to them to remember? Because if we forget, if the enemy can't get you focusing on your past, he's just going to get you to forget your past. Because there's an incredible amount of compassion that starts welling up in your heart when you realize that just outside these walls, there's thousands of people living this life. (laughs) Some of you are here today living this life without hope. Without hope. The greatest thing we have in Jesus Christ is that we have hope remember where you came from remember what it was like and made let that let that motivate you to reach out to others there's power in remembering things uh you know there's people that remember times of lack you know the people who went through the war <laughs> they remember and they're so much more thankful for the things they have you know uh, my kids this week they're sick and when they're sick they're miserable 
you know, and they just kind of passed the flu from one to the next. And, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, they, they, uh, they cry and whine and they all want to be held at the same time and they all want their mom. And so Beth came into the house, the one, uh, or she came into the room the other day. She's like, oh, I can hear three screaming kids. She's like, please tell me our children are nice when they're normal. I was like, please remind me of the fact that these kids are great. I'm like, honey, let them live. They're great children. You know, they will come back. And, and it, but this is, this, the power in remembering that saved their lives this week. But, uh, you know, the, there's, this, there's this power in remembering. And we want to look at that uh, today because he says this. This is who you once were. You once were. You once were. You used to be. You used to live. But now. Once you realize all the stuff that was before, but now. He says, once you were far away, but you're not now. In Christ, you're not far away from God. Do you know how many Christians say these things like this? Oh, I, I feel so far away from God. Oh, I just want to be closer to him. It, it's, it, it sounds kind of good, but it's, it's not true. Do you know if you believe what the Bible says about you, that God lives inside of you, that you're the temple of Holy Spirit, you can't get any closer to that. He's in you. You can't get far away from him. He's in you. So what is it? If he's not far away from you, why do you feel? It's a matter of perception. Have you ever noticed that, um, you know, in the, in the mirror of your car on the right-hand side, there's a little sentence on the bottom that says, objects in the mirror are what? closer than they appear. <laughs> Same for you and, and him. In Christ, you're not that far away. In Christ, if you're not in Christ, you're really far away. You're an enemy of God. That's what he says about that. But he says you can receive that. You can receive that. And, and it's this thing of you're close to him because he decides that. He chooses to live inside of you. But now, but now, but now. What do you believe? Do you believe God's far away? Do you believe God's mad at you? Do you believe that you've got to try and impress him? Do you believe that you've got to try and fight against that addiction until you get yourself free? What is it? Because what the Bible says about you paints a completely different picture, and it's actually a pretty uh, amazing life of peace. When you can wake up every morning and shame's gone, <laughs> there's peace in that. There's, there, you know, when you can realize I live my life under grace, I, re I live my life that I wake up in the morning, I know how valuable I am because I'm his kid. It's amazing life in that. Amazing life. Now, I want our worship team to come up to the front. I want our ushers. We're going to hand out the emblems of communion. I want to share this last story. Do you realize what you're worth? Do you realize what you're worth? Do you realize how important you are? Do you realize how much you matter? The Bible just says at the end here, you know, you once were far away, but now you've been brought close. Guess who did the bringing? Jesus. You didn't get here on your own. He's the one who brought you. It was his grace that did it. You know, uh, in 2012, um, a doorstop was sold for $1.3 million at Sotheby's auction. Yeah, a doorstop. Said uh, they had no idea, but what they realized after is that this people who put this doorstop in the auction, it turned out that this doorstop that they had used for a doorstop was actually a couple hundred year old rare Ming Dynasty vase. They just had it sitting by their door. Long Island, New York. $1.3 million, the value of this vase. Even though they thought, hey, it's just a doorstop, it's what it was really worth. My question for you is, no matter what you think of yourself, maybe you feel like the doorstop, you're worth an incredible amount. And what we're about to celebrate to, together as a family is proof of this. It costs the, the life of the Son of God to buy your freedom, to buy your forgiveness, to buy grace, to buy mercy, to buy hope, to buy health, to buy your healing, to buy whatever it is you need, to buy that purpose. He paid for it all. It's already done. 
the greatest thing about it is that he did it before, you know, before you even existed, before you were even here. So this morning, as the worship team just sings, and you just take a thought where you're holding these emblems in your hand. One represents the, the body of Jesus. He said, it's broken for you. Do this to what? Remember me. Remember what I did for you. And it says in the second part that this cup, you know, it's a new deal. This is the new will. This is the new thing, and you're in it. <laughs> I bought your forgiveness for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you for giving us something to do, to remember. Constantly just bring to mind what you did, that our past can be behind us, that our eyes can be set on you, focused on you, that we can say with confidence today, I've decided to follow you, Jesus. The world behind me, cross before me, I'm never going back, never going back. God, thank you for your spirit in our lives. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to continue to live through us, to direct our lives and uh, as we go from this place, pray that we'd be a light that shines bright, that people would see you in us. God, in their eyes, we'd be open to see others the way you see them. Just hearts full of compassion for those who are without hope in this world. Pray you give us opportunity this week to share your life and your love, your laughter, your joy with others around us. Lord, may you be glorified. May it bring a smile to your face in everything we do. Thanks for this amazing family. Pray your blessing over them in their homes as they head out from this place to be the church wherever they find themselves. Thank you for it, Father, in your name we pray. Amen.